weekend is a soccer fan's dream. From top flight European matchups to a stacked MLS schedule and even some U.S. youth national team action, there's something for everybody, so buckle your seatbelt. Hello everybody, this is the SBI Show. I'm Ivy Scalarset, and yes, this weekend, if you, if you haven't seen the schedule, please take a look because there, there is something for everybody. If you've made plans this weekend, you might want to try to figure out a way to cancel those plans because there's something on, on Saturday. There's tons of stuff on Saturday, tons of stuff on Sunday. Uh, you, no matter what you're into, there's something for everybody. I mean, even if you're you're into women's soccer, the, the, the Women's Champions League is taking place. You have Alex Morgan playing in that. Uh, you know, obviously NASL and USL, they're in full swing. There's, there's just something for everybody. You name it, it's there. Uh, we're going to try to touch on as much as we can. I know we took a break last week. Uh, um, my apologies. I know I snapped the streak already. I know I said we were going to keep the ball rolling, keep things going. Was not, was unable to get keep things uh, going last week. And I know you were probably worried about this week as well, but we did have... Uh, I did have a guest for this show. I did have things lined up. Just, again, things keep getting pushed back. But the goal is to start kicking things off with two shows a week next week. Uh, shorter shows. Uh, I, I think that's uh, from what I'm hearing from listeners, from what I'm hearing the people that I talk to. Uh, if we can have multiple shows and have them be shorter, uh, that'll be a good way to go. So if we can we can get into that kind of schedule, then uh, you know hopefully that, that, that'll get us into a good groove. But there's plenty to get into. Uh, we're going we're gonna to kick things off. Talking about since I'm recording this on Friday night, late, 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 late Friday night, uh, we can actually talk about some of the action from Friday uh, evening. Uh, and part of it we saw Joe, on the Americans Abroad front, Joe Corona, who was actually a guest on the la- most recent episode of the SBI show, the last one we had before this one, uh, scored a goal in uh, Club Tijuana's 2-0 victory on uh, on Friday night. And how about that, right? Another SBI show guest. Turns around and scores a goal. Now, sometimes it's that same week. Sometimes it's a week or two, a week later, two weeks later. I told I told Joe Corona actually after the show, after we record, I said, "Listen, just so you know, there is a jinx, or not. You don't even call it a jinx because jinx is kind of negative, but there is there is that kind of added bonus when you come on the show. It's going to help increase the chances of you scoring." Uh, we got a little laugh out of that. Obviously, it's not like he's he's not it's not like he's scoring goals all the time, so. The fact that he did end up scoring a couple of weeks later, uh, I think that is pretty impressive. So if you're listening to the show and you are in a slump, you need to score some goals, let me know. Drop me a line on, on Twitter. We'll, we'll get you sorted out. I mean, look at another one of our uh, recent guests, Brooks Lennon. Uh, we had him on. He was kind of the last guy who hadn't scored a goal uh, when you talk about Cal Acosta, Nick Lima. Uh, and then now we got him. Uh, he he broke he opened up his account he opened up his account for you also Lake we'll touch on that a little bit later but there you go folks if 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 you're listening to this uh, and one of your favorite players is struggling and hasn't found a goal let you know let us know let him know we we see if we can get it figured out uh, also on Friday night in MLS action we saw a player who who had been hungry for goals finally uh, break through and that's Sebastian Javinko and he actually scored two goals. Uh, two excellent goals, including a, a free kick beauty uh, to lead Toronto FC over the Chicago Fire three to one on Friday. And I got to say that it was a good game. It was a very good game. And and as much as you know, TFC, you know, opened up the three zero lead. It was actually I thought in the first half a very exciting game, a very good battle of the midfields. And the Fire have been playing well. Obviously, they had been at home. They had a three game uh, home stand, and they did well. They ha- that that's actually their first loss since Bastian Schweinsteiger showed up. 
And, uh, you know, credit to Toronto. Toronto FC looked really good, and they looked really sharp in the attack. And obviously when Javinko's on his game, it makes all the difference. And he, had, he hadn't been completely sharp in the recent weeks. He hadn't been that MVP caliber Javinko that we're used to seeing. But we saw that on Friday night uh, with both his goals and as active as he was throughout the night. Uh, it was an excellent performance from him, uh, and also Vasquez, the midfielder that that, that they signed this winter, uh, Toronto FC. He's been an excellent addition for them. Really, that kind of missing ingredient that they needed, because obviously you had you have Javinko, you have Josie Altador, you have Michael Bradley. You needed a little something more in the attacking in the attacking department in the midfield, and Vasquez has absolutely filled that bill. Filled that bill, and now here we go. Uh, Toronto FC gets that first home win, and they looked every bit like a team uh, that that will contend for an MLS MLS Cup title this year. Uh, a b- bit of uh, scary, scary and unfortunate news for Toronto FC is Drew Moore has been sidelined uh, with uh, apparently they found a, a heart condition that, uh, and it's it's a little scary. It's always scary when you think about heart conditions and you hear about that. Obviously, with the Cole Clint Dempsey situation, and before that, you had Eddie Johnson, Marvell Wynn had heart surgery recently. So anytime you get in those kind of situations, you always get a little concerned. Uh, but Toronto FC is is so far in the first couple of matches without him, uh, they've done they've done okay. The, definitely, the defense looked good. On Friday night, Eric Zavaleta, Nick Haglin really showing well uh, without their leader, without the the, the experienced Drew Moore, and uh, hopefully Drew Moore can get better and get back uh, get back quick. Uh, Drew Moore is one of the nicest guys in the game, true professional, and, and definitely someone that Toronto FC wants to get back in that lineup, uh, and and hopefully everything can uh, work out on that on that front. Next up. We have Americans abroad to talk about, and this weekend, Christian Pulisic and Borussia Dortmund will look to shake off the disappointment of the UEFA Champions League exit. They lost to Monaco, and this weekend, they'll be taking on Borussia Mönchengladbach. And no, folks, Fabian Johnson has not recovered yet from the hamstring injury that he suffered uh, just before the international break, and uh, it's a little bit of a cause for concern because Bruce Serena actually, in a, in a recent uh conference call with with uh, reporters uh actually revealed that that Fabian Johnson's been struggling a bit to recover from that and that his his injury has not been responding to treatment and that's a little that's that's concerning now for those of you who don't remember he he suffered a right hamstring injury in Europa League action and the right his right hamstring has been a been an issue for him it's actually you know just for me looking up you know past injuries for him it's at least the third injury that he's had, like that, the same injury of a, of, a, of a hamstring tear of some degree. Now it's been a, I mean, now we're talking about a month that he's been on the sidelines and you just wonder, you know, what what's going on there? Is this going to become a recurring thing with, with him? Uh, the U.S. national team obviously doesn't play for five weeks now, so it's not a immediate pressing concern, but given how much trouble he's had with it, you start to wonder and you start to worry, is this a chronic thing? Is he ever really going to be 100% and not have to worry about this this uh, kind of persistent injury that he's been getting? But as far as Dortmund goes, Dortmund, uh, they're going to... They, they're currently in fourth place, actually, in the Bundesliga. Uh, the top three in the Bundesliga get the, uh, qualify automatically to the UEFA Champions League. The fourth place... Uh, also qualifies, but they have to go through the qualifying rounds of the tournament. And right now, Dortmund is sitting in fourth. They're behind Hoffenheim, uh, two points. Now, if they win, if they have the game in hand, if they win this game against Mönchengladbach, uh, that can help uh, edge them closer to Hoffenheim. 
um, who's really been the, the the surprise of the of the season in the Bundesliga. Uh, great work by their young manager Nagelsmann, who's really incredible story. A 29 year old manager in the Bundesliga. I mean, that's just it's amazing. And look at the job he's done. Has them heading towards the Champions League right now. But Christian Pulisic, uh, obviously, with everything that happened with Dortmund, we haven't had a show since the the incident in question, which was the bus bombing. Uh, the Dortmund team bus was bombed uh, in Germany. Uh, and now it's been it's been revealed that there were kind of greedy motives involved in that. Someone apparently uh, had bought shares of stock, and they were hoping to, you know, by having by bombing the bus that there was that they would it would boost uh, his holdings. And so I mean, it's just unfortunate situations, crazy stuff. Uh, you know, really lucky that no one was no one was killed in this whole situation. Mark Barcha, the Dortmund defender, was injured, and obviously he's out now. He, he suffered, I believe, a broken wrist, and that was unfortunate. Uh, but Dortmund is looking to shake that off. Christian Pulisic looking to shake that off, and and hopefully uh, he can get back in the starting lineup in the what's really a big game, a rivalry game for Dortmund. So keep an eye out on that, and keep an eye out for that on Saturday. If you're going to be watch, putting your list together, what you're going to watch on Saturday, you're going to want to try to watch Christian Pulisic. Obviously, you have Chelsea, uh, Tottenham as well. We'll we'll touch on that a little bit later, uh, but. Uh, among the other options for Americans Abroad viewing this weekend, we have uh, Emerson Heinemann, another uh, guest, another recent guest on the SBI show. Uh, he and, and Glasgow Rangers will be taking on Celtic in the Scottish Cup semifinals. Uh, that's a big match, obviously, the old firm. And I know some people apparently in Scotland don't call it the old firm anymore, but I feel like most people at this point, it is what it is. That's what it, that's what it's always been known as. We're going to call it that. And Emerson Heim will be playing in it for the second time since he's been on loan at Rangers. And that's obviously a big match for them. Scottish Cup. They, they're going to try to get to a final. And, uh, and yeah, so keep an eye out for that. Next up, we have U.S. men's national team news to discuss. The U.S. national team is confirmed. They will be playing Venezuela at Rio Tinto Stadium on June 3rd in preparation for the upcoming World Cup qualifier in in Colorado. That They're, they're going to play Trinidad and Tobago. And then after that, they go play Mexico in the Estadio Azteca, two matches at altitude. So the U.S. is going to have a training camp in Utah uh, to to start to adapt to the the altitude uh, in in those upcoming matches. And in other U.S. related news, the U.S. under seventeen national team kicks off their World Cup qualifying campaign on Saturday against Jamaica. And uh, I got to tell you, this U this U seventeen team. Uh, is is a promising team, and there's quite a bit of talent on it. Uh, there's definitely some players to keep an eye on um, in terms of the U17s, and obviously Josh Sargent, who's named captain heading into the tournament. He is he is the top prospect on this team, uh, the striker from St. Louis, uh, the player who who it, it was it made some news when it it was revealed uh, when I when I put it out there that Sporting Kansas City had had apparently had the homegrown rights to Josh Sargent. Even though he wasn't part of their academy, uh, apparently Sporting KC was able to, to to claim him via territorial rights. There's all it's it's MLS rules. What can you do? But he's going to be a player to watch. Uh, I, I wouldn't imagine. I wouldn't bet on him signing with uh, Sporting Kansas City or signing in MLS. I know there's a lot of interest from Europe um, in Sargent, and I think that's where he's going to wind up. Uh, we'll see if he, you know, if and when he does sign. But he is a player you're going to want to keep an eye on. You have Ayo Akinola, the Toronto FC forward, uh, part of the part of their academy. 
uh, James Sands, uh, a, a member of the New York City FC Academy. Uh, Chris uh, Gloucester, a defender out of the Red Bulls Academy. Uh, and then obviously Atlanta United's Andrew Carlton, who's gotten a lot of buzz and is already signed to their first team. Uh, these are just some of the names you're going to want to keep an eye on. Uh, the the U.S. plays on Saturday. Actually, I'm sorry, they play on Sunday against Jamaica. And then during the week, they play against Mexico. That's going to be one you're not going to want to miss. Uh, just because, hey, anytime USA plays Mexico, it's kind of it's must-see TV, right? Even if it's from down to U17 all the way up to the senior national team. You don't want to miss USA Mexico ever because there's always going to be some 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 drama, some action. So uh, we we just remembered uh, recently the U20s, the US U20s beat Mexico in a in a memorable memorable match in in World Cup qualifying. Uh, so now we'll see if the U17s can keep it rolling and give the US a little momentum heading to that big match in Azteca in June. Uh, we're moving on now. Before we get to MLS, actually, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I want to talk European soccer. Uh, just to touch on a few of the things, uh, the UEFA Champions League draw for the semifinals uh, was set on Friday, and we have Juventus, Monaco, and Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid as the semifinals. And I tell you what, for me personally, I do not mind these at all uh, because I think they're really intriguing matchups. Uh, I know a lot of people were, were hoping for for the Madrid derby in the semis because they didn't want to see it in the finals again. It would have been the third time in, in the last couple of years that we've seen it. Me personally, uh, I would like to see a Juventus Atletico Madrid final. So this draw works out for that. Um, and you're asking why? No, I'm not a Juventus fan and I'm not a Atletico Madrid fan, but I am a Diego Simeone fan and a, and a Gianluigi Buffon fan. And they're both searching for their first Champions League title. And if they both make the final, at least one of them will guarantee, be a guarantee to win it, right? Um, and I guess, you know, I know Real Madrid fans will hear that and say, oh, you hate Real Madrid. What's the deal? Look, Real Madrid has won it, what, 10 times now? They don't need to win it again. Uh, I don't think anyone realistically sees Monaco winning it. As, as good as Monaco is, not to take anything away from the French club, and Kylian Mbappe, who's just unbelievable, just a, just such a talented young player. Uh, but they're, they're, they're a team, I think, the end runs for them. Uh, I'm sorry, the run ends for them against Juventus. Just, uh, you know, Monaco has not played a team with that kind of defense that they're going to face. You, We just saw Juventus shut out Barcelona over two legs. Uh, I mean, that they're just they're just playing on a whole nother level right now. And I think they're going to be able to contain that explosive Monaco attack. That that Monaco attack is something else. But Juventus, I think, has what it takes to to shut them down. As far as the Madrid derby, I actually think Real Madrid... I think this is Atletico Madrid's time to knock off Real Madrid. I know Real Madrid's gotten better than them in the Champions League in recent years. But I think this is the, this is the one. This is the one where Atletico breaks through and they knock off Real Madrid. Now, we can't forget about the Europa League. The Europa League semifinal draw took place as well. Uh, Manchester United taking on Celta Vigo, and then you have Ajax taking on Lyon in the semifinals. Now, the quarterfinal round was actually a very exciting uh, round. You saw Manchester United with the extra time winner for Marcus Rashford. You saw the penalty shootout uh, that Lyon was able to win. Uh, so so much drama. Celta Vigo, you had Ajax having to fight off Schalke. Uh, so much to talk about. And one of the storylines uh, that some that some of the SBI show listeners are definitely interested in to see, interested to see, was the Zlatan Ibrahimovic injury, which was very unfortunate. 
Um, for those who missed it, he suffered a torn ACL, torn PCL. Uh, his knee just bent back really badly, and now he's looking at a long, a long stint on the sidelines. And look, Zlatan, Zlatan's a player who, you know, has been able to avoid major injuries for the most part for his career. Uh, but now here he is, you know, going on 35, going on 36, and at his age, now having to deal with this kind of dr- drastic injury, you just wonder. Uh, will he be able to recover from it? Now, of course, we're talking about a freak of nature in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's not your, he is not your normal human being, right? So we'll see how he how he handles that and, and what happens now. And, and that definitely shakes things up uh, for a lot of reasons because, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was still trying to sort out what his next move was going to be after this season. Was he going to come to MLS? Was he going to stay with Manchester United? Uh, there was an offer on the table from MLS for Ibrahimovic to consider for this summer. Uh, and then there was a report this week from the Daily Mail claiming that the LAFC uh, was trying to make an offer or trying to bring him on for 2018, which was which is interesting if LAFC... I mean, the Galaxy, from my understanding, has have, have been really trying to go after Zlatan Ibrahimovic for, for the better part of a year now. And it was them who made the offer to try to bring him in this summer. Uh, and I think it was really going to come down to whether or not Manchester United qualified for the Champions League. Now, obviously, that was before the injury. Now, with the injury, you have to ask yourself, well, what happens now? Um, if you're by, if you're Manchester United, um, obviously, do you, are you you're going to bring him back now when you, he's going to be gone for pretty much the rest of the year? It might not be back uh, until towards the end of the year, miss half a season next year. Is it worth bringing him on for the kind of money that that you have to pay him? Uh, so that's the big question. And I know people will ask, well, what about MLS? Is MLS still going to be interested? For my money, if he wants to keep playing, if he wants to continue, and I, and I don't know if we should assume that, but if he is ready to keep playing and if he's going to make his way back from this injury, I think that uh, you know MLS would be crazy to just decide now that they, they're not interested. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think MLS is definitely going to be interested. I think if you're – if you're the Galaxy, you still see the value in having him come in 2018. And if you're and if you're LAFC, even more so because obviously they begin play in 2018, so they can afford to wait for him. And who knows if you know maybe it works out to be a better fit now if if LAFC brings him on from the very beginning of their first season. Uh, now that you know what, maybe he doesn't. You know, if he's not going to sign with Man United, who else is he going to sign for while he's still injured? Uh, whereas if LAFC decides to bring him on board and sign him by January of, of, of 2018, have him for the start of that season, then that's something to think about. But again, it all it all hinges on his his recovery from the injury, his ability to recover from the injury, and him still wanting to play. And I, there's no reason to think that he he won't want to play. I think he made might might have made a comment or or, so, or two. Uh, in some recent er- interviews about whether or not he, you know, he would continue, how much longer he would continue. He wasn't sure how much longer he would keep playing. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, you know what? It would be absolutely great to have him in MLS. And I think if anyone can recover from this kind of dramatic knee injury, it's going to be Zlatan. I mean, I think, he, you know, he, he's he got the heart of a lion. And I think he's someone that it, it, once he's back healthy, uh, you know, he he should be still be an impact player. I mean, let's not forget now when he went to Man United, there were definitely questions from some some critics or some skeptics who thought, oh, he's not going to do much in the Premier League, uh, you know, playing against that level of competition. He's not going to dominate like he, he's dominated in France. Well, guess what, folks? 
the guy put up the numbers at Man United as well. Even with Man United not necessarily playing well all the time, he was able to pull up, pull up, put up the numbers. So uh, I don't think he's going to just magically lose it because he has to spend six to nine months recovering from this knee injury. Once he's back healthy and 100%, I think he comes to MLS and still dominates and still puts on a show. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he recovers. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of Zlatan fans out there were upset to hear the news. I know my oldest son wasn't crazy about that, you know, that news, because I know he's waiting for Zlatan to come play in MLS because he wants to see him play in person. Um, and hopefully, you know what, hopefully we get the, the, the chance to see that and hopefully he comes back and uh, comes back as strong as he was before the injury. Moving on, we're going to stick with MLS and uh, get into a couple of news items. First up, uh, of the bigger items we missed while we while we were away, Real Madrid has been announced as the official opponent for the this summer's MLS All Star Game. And I know, obviously, that had been reported prior to this, but now it's official. Now we know it's MLS against Real Madrid in Chicago. This summer, and uh, I know obviously a lot of people are going to be excited to see that if Real, if Real Madrid brings their full cast of characters, we're talking Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Benzema. How if if James Rodriguez is still there? James Rodriguez, I mean, I don't know if he will be, but you know, that the, or Isco will Isco still be there? Uh, maybe Madrid will have Kylian Mbappe by then. Uh, you know, when it comes to Real Madrid, they're going to bring a star studded team, so. Uh, that should be a great, great time. And the folks in Chicago, I'm sure, are going to eat it up. Uh, and if you're a soccer fan in Chicago right now, you're feeling good about life. Because after mm, so many years of of just kind of not much hope and, and, and failure and seeing the fire struggle, now the fire looking better. I know they lost on Friday night, but that aside, they're a better team now. They're a fun team to watch. They're 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 playing better soccer, and now you got games like the MLS All Star game All Star game coming to Chicago. So uh, it's a great time to be a Chicago area soccer fan. Um, next up on the MLS news front, we have Tim Howard was recently suspended for three matches uh, for an incident involving a fan. Uh, the Rapids recently played Sporting Kansas City, and uh, Tim Howard got into it with some fans. And apparently, when he was leaving uh, the field or when he was heading back toward the locker room, uh, a fan allegedly got in his face. Uh, and I, from my understanding is how Howard may have made contact with the, with the fan. Um, may, I don't know if he grabbed him. We haven't seen footage of it. Um, apparently their footage, footage of it exists, but we haven't seen it. No one's seen it. It hasn't leaked, but apparently he made contact with this person. So, uh, he is suspended for three matches. Uh, and what's interesting is just now Friday, actually today on Friday, uh, Tim Howard, uh, finally came out and released a, a statement about his suspension. Uh, and before he had done that, the MLS Players Union had come out kind of in defense of Howard, uh, and they were really unhappy with the fact that, you know, okay, it's it's one thing if if they decide to suspend Howard, but the Players Union felt that, you know, where's the punishment for the fan who apparently was you know, allegedly uh, drunk or, or belligerent or, or just being, you know, just being unruly. Uh, which led to Tim Howard having to deal with the situation. So Tim Howard on Friday came out with his own statement on Facebook, uh, basically s- saying a lot of the same things and 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 kind of laying it out there that look, you know, he's played in Europe for more than a decade, never had any issues or incidents involving fans, and then you know he comes here and then you have this situation. Uh, it's not a good look. And you know what? He I'll give him credit because he actually 
you know, ed- acknowledge that, you know what, he could have handled the situation better, but, you know, I think he does have a right to kind of say, well, look, there's something wrong with this setup in this, you know, at when you're talking Children's Mercy Park, for people who've never been there, the teams come out of the locker room area and they pass through this kind of VIP section where fans can kind of watch them come come out for the, the game. And I guess they also watch them come in after the game. And apparently, they were, you know, allegedly, we don't know. We haven't seen the video, but based on what, what you know, Tim Howard has said and, 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 and what we hear, apparently there was a, a drunk fan who, I don't know if he got in his face or said something or screamed something, got pretty close to Howard, and Howard, Howard kind of, you know, he didn't hit him, but apparently he may have grabbed him. And I tell you what, I think that shows some pretty good restraint right there. Because you know what, if a, if someone's coming at me, and they're drunk and they're unruly and there's nothing separating them from me, uh, you know what, you got you know what, you you got to protect yourself. So if Howard grabbed him or, or kind of put his hand out or or something to that effect, then you know what, I don't have a problem with that. Now, having said that, obviously, if you're MLS, you kind of have to have a zero, a zero tolerance policy when it comes to players interacting with fans and not getting physical with fans we can't have that either and we've seen it in the past uh i think was it mamadou diallo this was going we're going back years now uh mamadou mamadou diallo is a a forward a big forward who played in the league 15 years ago or so and he he got into an incident with a fan um and he he got he got more than three games if i if i remember correctly this is testing my memory right here but i just seem to remember that but the league has no, uh, you know what? They, they do not want incidents involving players and, and fans getting physical with each other. It's just not a good look. But you know what? I think Tim Howard raised some good points in his statement that he released on Friday. And we'll see what happens. We'll see. And, and look, hopefully this doesn't lead to all of a sudden an elimination of of the interaction and of those kind of cozy experiences that are unique to MLS. But hopefully there is a little bit, little tightening of these situations, a little tightening of the security, uh, a little more accountability for fans who are, are, you know, lucky enough to be in these situations where they get to be close to these players. Because that's, you know what, that's a, it's not a, it's not a right to, to, to get to have that experience. And, but if, and if you're lucky enough to have that experience, you should be able to behave yourself. So you know what? We'll see what comes of that. But Tim Howard is suspended. He served the first game last week. He's got two more to go. Zach McMath is in goal for the Rapids in the interim. Uh, and then the last MLS note before we get into our guest for this week. Uh, and this is a little nitpicky thing. I don't even know why I'm getting into it, but I wrote it down in my, in my run sheet here. And I had to address it. So the MLS goal of the week voting. Montreal's Anthony Jackson Hamel. Uh, one goal of the week uh, for his redirection of a shot that ended up being the winning goal for Montreal over Atlanta United. And I tell you what, folks, it's nice that he scored the goal. It was an important goal. But that wasn't even like, I mean, forget the fact it wasn't the goal of the week, but it wasn't even, I mean, it, it wasn't, he shouldn't have even been in the top three, in my opinion. But the fact that David Villa's 53-yard goal didn't get goal of the week is so embarrassing. I mean, let's stop it already. I know it's all well and good that you want to have fan voting for stuff, but you need to have some kind of mix of voting. You have some fan voting, have some other kind of stable. Like, you know, like it's way too easy 
to balance stuff on these things. And that's why we always end up in these situations. And it's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you'll probably say, well, who cares about a goal of the week award? I mean, like, it's not, no one cares that much, but it is, it's kind of silly. It's kind of silly. I'm sorry. Davivia, that's a goal of the year, and it's not even goal of the week. And that, that's not the first time that's happened. So I don't think anyone should be that surpri- surprised by that, but it is what it is, unfortunately. Hopefully MLS can figure out a different formula. I get wanting to, 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 to like, give the fans something to do. But I don't know, you know, if, you, if you're going to have those kind of votes, then you might have to reconsider things. Moving on now to our guest this week and our guest for this episode of SBI Show uh, leading up into the MLS conversation. We have Columbus Crew midfielder slash forward Kakuta Mane, who recently joined the crew via trade from the Vancouver Whitecaps. It was a bit of a surprising trade given uh, Kakuta Mane's, you know, high status as one of the Whitecaps best players one of their most dangerous players uh i it feel i feel like it was just yesterday where he was scoring the goal uh to uh, to help knock off the red bulls in the Concacaf champions league uh but you know what business is business the white caps had to make a move uh the kikuda Mane is in the last year of his contract the white caps didn't look like they were going to be able to 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 come to an agreement on a deal so they made a trade the, the columbus crew really did uh, break the bank in MLS terms uh, to, to to make the deal happen. Tony Chani went to Vancouver, and obviously a ton of money uh, went along with it uh, to Vancouver. And Kikuta Mane actually hasn't made his debut yet, but could make his debut for the crew this weekend as the Columbus crew take on the New York Red Bulls at Red Bull Arena in a big Eastern Conference showdown. And we're lucky enough to have Kikuta on the show this week. Kikuta Mane... Welcome to the SBI show. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So, we, you know, we have to catch up now. And I'm not sure people are curious how you're doing now. You, you've, you've, you've gone over to Columbus. You, you've been part of this trade. Uh, and I'm sure, like myself, a lot of people were surprised to see the trade go down with you having been such a such a key part of the Whitecaps for a while now. Did you, did you know the trade was coming? Were you kind of involved at all or, or did it catch you by surprise? I mean, I knew with the situation, I knew at some point they were going to have to figure something out. And it was either me signing a new contract or them, you know, wanting to get something out of it. Trade, You know, the, be- you know, the best thing they could do was, you know, to trade me, you know, for them to not lose me on a free or, you know, for, you know, whatever we decide. So I knew at some point I was going to get traded because we were not really getting anywhere with the contract talks. Mm. So I knew I would, I didn't I didn't know it was gonna be uh, Columbus crew, but I knew I knew that there was gonna be a trade happening. Uh, it could happen anytime soon before the uh, window closes. And I I wasn't surprised by it. I I knew that it was gonna going to happen at some point. Now, now you uh, you knew it was gonna happen, but you didn't know where you you might wind up. <laughs> when you find out it's Columbus, yeah. obviously the crew they're a team that's known for playing attractive soccer. Uh, they have a, a good nucleus of uh, of African players as well. What'd you think when you first heard? that you were going to Columbus? I was, I was excited because, um, you know, to be frank with you, I, I always loved the way Columbus crew play. I think, uh, I thought, always thought they were a good team. They moved the ball away. They create a lot of chances, you know. For me, as an attacking player, you know, I want to be a part of that. You know, I want to play on the team that, you know, does that. Uh, it brings out my quality. And, you know, they go forward with, you know, uh, with an intent and they have a style. I, I watch them play all the time. Even when I was in uh, Vancouver, they were one of my favorite teams to watch play. Um, so I was, I was very excited. I mean, first, you know, I mean, of course, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I was a bit worried, but 
you know, once I get get here and, you know, you see how to do things and how things are done here. And, and I was very convincing that I was in the right place. Uh, obviously, you spent your years there uh, playing for Carl Robinson and, and you, you you grew up there. Obviously, you got there as a, you, as a teenager. You put your years in there. Um, what what will you miss the most about Vancouver and what was kind of the what was your favorite part about playing there? Definitely the you know the boys. Um, I've, I've um, you know like you said I grew up there, so I've known most of those guys for a long, long time, and you know uh, made really good relationship, and I've met a lot of really nice and sweet people, and you know that's one thing I'm gonna really miss, and the second thing will be the fans. They were unbelievable. Um, the sport, and you know I've been proud of supporting that team. I really appreciate that. And, you know, it's always nice playing in front of the, uh, you know, the fans, their passion is, it's amazing. And I think those are, I mean, of course the city is beautiful. It's one of the best cities in the world, but uh, those are the, you know, three things I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss the most, um, you know, from Vancouver. Right. Now you, when you got there, you were, I think pretty sure you were the youngest guy in the team. Uh, then by the yeah. end, by the end, uh, Alfonso Davis shows up and he's 15, 16. The, did he did, did he make you did he make you feel old being around him? Because all of a sudden you're not the kid yeah, anymore. He, he's the kid. He, he, I know he does make me feel. I mean, for for a while there, even like the five v twos, you know, I look around and I still have to. I've, I'm still I was still the youngest guy to go in the middle. So I was like, wow, it's been like two three years and I'm still the youngest here. You know, I wouldn't ever would doing five v two, but him coming down, you know, it does make me feel a little bit older. You know, it, it's crazy um, coming at that age and competing at this level, and you know, he's he's something special. His guy is very very talented, and you know, his physique and uh, you know, technical and uh, you know, physical abilities is it's just unbelievable. He's a he's a, he's a good, good kid. On top of that, you know, off the field, he's, he just wants to laugh, just wants to smile, just wants to have fun, and I mean, it's um, it, it it was it was fun, and it's a joy, you know, playing with him along, you know, alongside with alongside him, and you know, just seeing him enjoy himself. It's you know, that's what the game is all about. This guy, he's he's gonna be someone, you know, something special. Now, as far as the crew goes, that you're joining a team with a very, very uh, potent attack. Obviously, especially on the wings, you have Finley, you have Marum, you have Iguain in the middle. Uh, have you had a chance to kind of talk to Greg Berhalter about about the role he sees? And I mean, how excited are you? Excited are you for that competition? Because there's definitely going to be a competition now for minutes. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. I mean, I had that in Vancouver as well, and um, you know, uh, I'm always excited about a competition. Uh, I think every pro athlete should be, you know, always only makes you better. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Like you said, a lot of quality players that you just named and. You know they're having a good run right now, and it's you know it's going to be tough to break into that team, but you know it's going to do everything to be able to be one of those guys, you know, up top, you know, one of those four guys. And you know I know I I know I can do it. You know just you know get used to the system and you know get myself going. I think I'll be one of those four, and it will be fun. You know it only it's only going to make this team better, and you know we need that. And you know I'm pretty sure our coach wants that as well uh, for the team. And it's going to be interesting. I mean, he said I can play anywhere, and I can I can play as a striker. I can play, um, 
either side of the rings, and so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Now, as far as Columbus itself, uh, I don't know how much you knew about Columbus before you got there, but uh, they actually have a pretty sizable African community there. I know people obviously know that as far as the players on the team, uh, you have quite a few Africans on the team. How, how much does that, do you think that helps in terms of just assimilation? Obviously, you've lived there a long time now, but they're that, I mean, is there, does that add to a kind of a comfort level there for, 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 for players coming in? Yeah, definitely. You know, talking to a lot of people, even Africans, they were telling me, oh, yeah, we have a big Ghanaian community here. And I'm very aware of that, that we have a big Ghanaian community there as well. Because, I, you know, the last time I was in Columbus, when we played Columbus here a couple of years ago, you know, uh, I saw a lot of Ghanaian fans, you know, with the Ghanaian flag. Nice. And um, you know, once the trade happened, a few of them messaged me and, you know, they wanted to get together and, we haven't really had, uh, you know, I'm trying to settle in. We haven't really had the time to actually do anything yet. But, um, you know, it, it, it's nice. It's just nice to have that in the back of the mind, you know, that, you know, similarities to the food and, you know, and all the, all, all the other stuff, the same cultures, you know, it always, it only helps. And I'm looking forward to, you know, getting to know, getting to know them and be a part of that community. Now, now as far as uh, I know, American fans are, are, are interested to know about the fact that you've become a citizen now, you, you're a U.S. citizen. Uh, you haven't been cleared by FIFA yet to to be eligible to play for the U.S., but you were you did uh, go to January camp. Had a chance to catch up with you down, out there at, at January camp. What was that experience like for you? I know you weren't there a long time, but you were there. You know, you were there for a bit. What what was that experience like? It was a good experience. Um, it was uh, it was very unfortunate. It had to it had to cut short because I wasn't eligible to play, but. Um, yeah, it was it was fun. I really really enjoyed it. It was a good experience, um, and it was nice getting to know the coaching staff. And uh, I, I've trained under Bruce before. Uh, I trained with Galaxy uh, for a week before, you know, I signed my MLS contract. So you know, I I knew him a little bit, uh, but it was nice to know most of the you know the uh, you know the staff and um, you know, working with them as, as well as the players. You know, getting to know I know some of the players that I you know I play against week in week out. And it was just nice to be at camp with them and, you know, just knowing them, you know, on a personal level. So it was, uh, it was a really good experience. It was really exciting for me, you know, getting invited to, uh, you know, an awesome team camp. And, uh, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, it helped me. Um, you know, I had good experience, to be honest. Now, you, 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 obviously you're not eligible yet for people who don't know you you're a u.s citizen now you got you have your passport you got your passport in september uh but you're still waiting on on the the clear the approval from from fifa to be eligible um it's it's coming you know it, it, you know hopefully nothing crazy happens but it should be on its way how much are you looking forward to that the, the opportunity to play for the u.s have you thought about it and have you circled the gold cup on your on your calendar are you thinking about that are you looking that far ahead i, I did i did uh you know, when I got my passport, there has not been a day gone by um, that I haven't think about that. When you know, when I'm gonna be eligible, you know, when you know things are gonna happen. Go. Um, but yeah, uh, the thing is now I don't think about it. All I, you know, all I think about is you know just working in you know day by day and you know with my team here, Columbus, and you know when the open opportunity presents and when the time comes in, you know hopefully be involved with it. But um, you know, it's in the back of my mind sometimes. I think about it, but um, you know, I'm just waiting to see or to hear what happens next. You know, if I'm eligible, then you know, we'll start thinking about you know the future with this team and um, you know where it would take you know where it would take me uh, to be involved in that squad. What I need to do, but um, you know, I'm I'm excited. Um, 
you know, but the thing is there's nothing really to do or I can do or to happen until we get that clearance. If I get that, then it's a, you know, it's a, it's another step to take. Now, now obviously you, you have to, first you have to become eligible and then you actually have to play your way onto the team. Um, last year, before, before you suffered the injury that, that, that sidelined you, uh, you, you were playing really well. You were uh, playing maybe some of the best soccer in your career. Did that kind of run of form last summer before you got injured? Did that kind of give you that confidence that you, you think you can carry that to the international level? I mean, do you think you can you can make an impact on the national team? Yeah, definitely. I think you know, like I said, I went to general camp and I see how it is. You know, and I think if I'm fit and I'm on top of my game, I think I can make a really you know a big positive impact impact on that team. I think it could I could be a guy who comes in and you know help the team. You know, going forward, hopefully, you know, to achieve another you know, goals and you know what we want to achieve as a group. Uh, I think I'll be another piece that you know can improve the team. I don't think um, I will, you know, hurt the team at all. I think the only thing, the only thing to get out of that, it would be positive for you know for everyone. So I'm really, I'm really excited for that opportunity. And when did you kind of make that decision in your mind about playing for the United States? I mean, it's one thing to, to kind of become a citizen, and obviously you, you, you definitely worked toward securing that, which had to be a little tricky living in Vancouver. I know, I know there was the whole story about that you lived, I guess, in a particular city that that that, that allowed you to to gain a time towards your your ability to become a U.S. citizen. Well, when did you kind of make yeah. that decision in your mind that you know I, I want to play for the United States? As soon as as soon as I, I you know I, I got the passport and I you know I got the call saying you know we might be looking to bring you you know in the January camp if you're interested and I said okay uh, and I think I think it would be funny we'll be excited and then you know from there I decided that you know you know it's something I would like to do and you know some, something I would like to be a part of and so as soon as I got my passport I made I made that decision that you know it was. You know, something I will, I will, I will really want to be a part of. And, and, and as far as your your style of play, I, I've always kind of been curious about who who did you follow growing up as a player. Was there was there were there particular players that maybe you modeled your game after, or, or who who did you watch when you were younger that that kind of? You, um, I watch, I, I watch, I watch a lot of players. Um, I was, uh, I was, I'm a big Man U fan, um, so I watch a lot of um, Gigsy growing up. Um, you know, when Ronaldo came to the scene, I watched him play, and uh, you know he was one of my favorite players. And you know, of course, Ronaldinho. Um, you know, so those guys were my uh, players that I looked up to. You know, growing up, you know, they I thought they were unbelievable players. You know, their technical abilities, you know, their vision, you know, right. some of the, just the things that they do, and you know, others didn't see in the field, and it was just. You know, extraordinary, and you know, not necessarily model my game off of them, but I really enjoyed watching them play, and they were, they were my favorite players growing up. Right. So, what was it like uh, going back to the passport? What What was it like the day you got it? Because I I don't think anyone actually knew you you became a citizen until like well after, or at least it didn't become public. But when you actually got the passport in your hands, was that a was that a special moment? Or I mean, what was uh, that experience like? It, it, it was it was it was a special, special moment. Uh, it was a great experience, fun fun experience because you know I had you know a lot of important people in my life that attended that. Uh, you know my agent, you know my family. So that was uh, it was something special for me. I really really appreciate them. You know helping me throughout the process with the, you know the lawyer Don Morris and 
you know, just everyone involved was, um, you know, even, you know, the Whitecaps were very flexible with the schedules and letting me go to the States and, you know, all of that. I really appreciate that and very thankful and very grateful for everyone's help. But, you know, it was a, it was a special moment for me. Um, you know, the thing, you know, that, you know, it's exciting about that process is, um, you know, it's a choice. You know, we, you know, we're not American by blood. And, um, you know, it was a choice that, you know, us individuals had uh, had to make, um, you know, to become a citizen of the United States. So that, I think that that what makes the the whole process, uh, you know, exciting. You know, coming to the end. You know, when once you you are approved to be a citizen, and you know, it's just a big relief and you know, joy and happiness. And you know, it's another you know, country. It's a huge country. You know, something bigger than yourself to be a part of. So it's a, it was a really it was a special moment for me. Now, obviously, does it make you appreciate it even more now that uh, obviously it's uh, things are it's it's a bit of a tricky time now when it comes to people who are not citizens and and having to navigate the border situation and and I know you were doing that for a long time, uh, playing for the Whitecaps and having to and having to do that. I mean, does that does it almost make you more appreciate it, like embrace it even more now that th- you know you're happy to have that that citizenship? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I you know I did don't take it for granted. Definitely, I appreciate it. You know, sometimes it can be it can be a bit tough, you know, with the borders. But you know, once I you know once I got this passport, you know, I never really had any you know problems, questions, and you know anything like that. So that you know it makes uh, it makes traveling a bit easier, to be honest. Um, so really, um, really very very appreciative and you know thankful that you know I the whole process is done and you know if it's go have my passport. Well, just take me back to your time uh, in Vancouver in terms of that whole thing, because you lived. So now, did you, you lived on the U.S. side of the border, right? Is that is that what it was? Yes, I did. It's a, it's a bit it's a it's a peninsula, um, you know, between Washington. Well, it's a, it, it is in the state of Washington uh, and Vancouver. So you know, it's basically in Canada, but it's considered as the United States. So that was uh, it was it was very interesting. It was it was it was a fun city, uh, very quiet and you know right on the deep or right on the water. Um, you know, 45 minutes drive from you know from Vancouver training and you know the games. Um, so it was good. It was good. I, you know, I, I did a, I did the commute. Um, so you went these. you went through the whole process. You went through the whole border crossing process every time. Yes, I did. I did. I had I had a nexus. Okay. Uh, which helped, which helped me a little bit, you know, with the lines and stuff. But yeah, I did. I went through, you know, I had a green card at the time, and I had to go, you know, the green card check in, and you know, everything. You know, sometimes I could be, I could be on, um, in line for, you know, about fifteen, twenty, half half hour, uh-huh. um, on the line to, you know, to cross the border. So, but um. And it was it was like I said it was a long process and um, and there was a lot of time invested in it as well. How many times a week did you do that? I did that about four to five times a week. So did you know everybody at the border by the by, after a while? I mean, did uh, they... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, they were they were they were um, pretty surprised that I was living in Pond Roberts, but I mean, I didn't really explain to them exactly what. Uh-huh. The reason, but they were, you know, why wouldn't you live in fact, like, you know, why are you <laughs> living here instead of, you know, so, but yeah, um, I did, I got to know a lot of them, um, pretty well, um, you know, border security, so. Right. 
what what was the first what was it like the first time you went through with the US passport? Was that I mean was that how was that the experience? It was it was good. You know, I came in and you know the you know uh, the security looked at it and you know and he said Congra- congratulations and I was like thank you. Uh, you so know. they they knew right and away. They knew right away that you had gotten it and uh yes. Nice. Yes. And yeah, and, and I said thank you, and, and you know, they welcome welcome back, and you know, so it was um, it was it was it was good, it was good, it was a good experience. Now you're in Columbus, and I saw one of your recent tweets. You tweeted that you you had you find you you were able to make it home without using your GPS. So <laughs> so, you're, so so you're learning your way around Columbus. Is that is that right? Yes, I am. Obvious, uh, but it looks like you know everybody that lives in Columbus thinks it's easy to I don't know, find a way around because the way the highway is set up. Right. I guess it's I don't know round and the city is in the middle, but you, know, you can get lost. You, know, being, you can get lost. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Especially being here, I didn't you know I didn't have my phone. GPS wasn't working, and you know you know it was a struggle. It was a struggle for me. I got lost literally every single day I've been here. <laughs> You know, because I have to, I have to map it out on my computer before I get out of the door. What's wrong with your GPS? And, um, <laughs> it was my um, the phone, the old phone I had uh, in Vancouver, and the GPS didn't work here. Okay. It, it didn't work because uh, I think the memory was full, so it right. like, takes you somewhere somewhere that you don't really want to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, you're not wanting to go, so I wasn't using it. So I was, you know, typing it on my computer and then like print, printed it out. You know, having a copy of it. And said, okay, I have to take this exit. I have to take, you know, I got lost a few times. Nice. Yeah, I mean, the first five times I went training, you know, I got, I either passed my exit or, you know, <laughs> you know I went too far. Right, and right. I have to turn around. You know, it took, it, it took me, you know, it took me a while to find my way back to the hotel, you know. So, I mean, the good thing is, you know, the main street is, you know, high street. And if you're on that, you're, you're okay. Right. So, and the hotels are on right on that street so uh but it was yeah it was a bit of a struggle the first five days you know right. and um yeah finally finally figured out how to you know get back without gps right well that's how you actually people don't realize that getting lost is how you learn your way that's, around yeah. right that's how you figure you, you once that's you end true. up once you end up journeying through the entire area you you pretty much eventually it's all sinks in so exactly that's that's what exactly. i tell that's what i tell my wife anyway whenever yeah. we get lost that's my excuse so hey i'm learning i'm yeah. learning a new place so but, uh, New places, exactly. But good, man. So yeah, so uh, yeah, definitely. Congrats on the on on the move. So now, obviously, with Vancouver, you guys didn't weren't able to work out a a, a new contract. You're in the last year of your contract. Is it? It was it just a case of not a, not being able to agree to terms. I mean, are you open to staying in MLS? I mean, is that still? Are you still kind of open in that sense of of negotiating, or do you kind of have your sights set on making a, a move overseas? You know, a bit of both. You know, it's just something that we have to you know, let it play it out and see. You know, I, I definitely want to be, you know, stay here for a few more years and, you know, hopefully make that, if that uh, still a possibility, make that move. But at the same time, you know, if the opportunity presents itself, you know, right away, it's something that we're going to take a look at. But, you know, I'm, re- I'm open to I'm open to everything right now, uh, keeping all the doors open. But uh, we'll see and then hopefully decide here in the next uh in the near future here the world cup is in a year but have you thought about is that i mean i think that's every soccer player's dream it's to play in a world cup uh, how much have you thought about that how much is that a goal for you uh, i thought about it a lot um you know hopefully you know the team can you know make it make it out and qualify for the world cup but uh 
I think uh, you know, I think it would be it would be exciting. Like you said, everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to be a part of that um, a World Cup squad. And you know, it's always been my dream. I always wanted to play in that World Cup, you know, team. And you know, hopefully we qualify. You know, the US qualifies, and then I have an opportunity. I have an opportunity and uh, to you know be in that squad. Well, you can say we. You know, you're an American citizen now. You can say we. <laughs> you don't have to feel weird about it. You can say we. We we're well, we over. Like, I I. Yeah, I, I <laughs> The guys in Vancouver give me a hard time about that. So nah, you can no, say it. You can say it now. I don't say we because I'm a I'm a journalist, so I try not to say we. But you can say you can say we. You can say we. Uh, great. So now, so when you watch the games now, I mean, now that you're a citizen, now that you you've made the decision you want to play for the U.S. Paperwork's in, getting processed. I mean, how 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 different is it watching the games now with the U.S. Especially the qualifiers. You know you want to get to the World Cup, and you know these games matter. I, I mean, were you, are you like a fan screaming at, at the, watching these games now? Like, how how different is that experience? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I mean, I've always grown a fan of uh, I'm a you know U.S. fan since I, I've lived in the United States. Even before you know I got my passport, I always wanted to win. And I was I was you know I play with most of the players in the league and. You know, and I'm playing in the league, so you know I want them to win the games. But you know, since having the passport, I've been involved with the, you know, the January camp, and it's grown, it's grown even more. You know, I try, I watch every single game, and you know, you know, support, try, you know, try to support them. And yeah, one of those guys you was know, just, you know, screaming, you know, when the chance is missed, and uh, you know, very, in, very into the game. You know, I love, I love, I love to watch this game and. You know, I get I get into it, so I can I cannot watch the game with pe- other people. I have to watch it by myself. Pretty much watch it by myself. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, the guys who the guys, yeah, the guys who were like, hey, let's go watch it. I was like, um, yeah, I think I'll, you know, I'll just, I will stay home um, and watch it. So I, I get into the game. I hope you were able to load up on your U.S. national team gear while you were in camp, right? I mean, is that that's usually a part of the deal, right? You get some of the gear. So were you able yeah. to do that? <laughs> Um, unfortunately, no, no, I, you know, when, when, when I had to leave it was, uh, it was very instant because of, you know, Vancouver was traveling the next day to Wales. Right, right. And, you know, it was an, it was an immediate decision that we made. So I, and I haven't had a chance to even go to the locker room. I, you know, I just left, you know, right away. Um, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, I'm a part of it again in, uh, very soon. So, well, Kakuda, good luck in Columbus and definitely good luck. Uh, getting that clearance from FIFA, and hopefully we'll see you this summer, uh, whether it's World Cup qualifying or, or the Gold Cup. The Gold Cup's in July. It's going to be a busy summer. Uh, and if, if you get cleared, I have a feeling you uh, you have a really good chance of being part of that. So uh, thanks for the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Kikuda Mane in the Columbus Crew take on the New York Red Bulls on Saturday night at Red Bull Arena. The crew are currently in first place in the Eastern Conference. They're tied with the Portland Timbers for the most points in the league at 13 points. And it's not an easy, uh, not an easy team to break into, uh, especially when you think about the attack. Justin Merrim is in, in, in some of the best form in the league. I mean, he's right up there with Diego Valeri in terms of having an outstanding start to this 2017 season. You have Ethan Finley, uh, Federico Higuain, the attack, Ola Kamara up top. So Mane can play any number of positions. Uh, and right now he's still kind of, getting settled in and adjusting to, to his new team. And we'll see if, uh, you know, the SBI, SBI show goal jinx works in his favor and he can get on the scoreboard uh, pretty soon. Now, look, if he happens to score against the Red Bulls on Saturday, my apologies to Red Bulls fans. I didn't know it would work that fast. But you know what? 
uh, he's definitely uh, an exciting player when he's healthy. Anyone who saw him play last year, uh, last summer, I mean, he, he, you know, with the speed that he has, his ability to take people on, he's he's a different kind of player. And once he's eligible for the U.S. Uh, and, and once he's playing regularly for the crew and can show what he can do, uh, he's someone who absolutely will be on Bruce Arena's radar when you think about wide options and, and wing, re, truly dynamic wing options. I think Mane is exactly that kind of player uh, that gives you that something different and definitely speed. We know speed is such an important uh, weapon in the game and, and, and he's not just a speedster either. I mean, the guy's got, the kid's got technical quality, uh, as well. So it, it, he's going to a good team to showcase his attacking ability and, uh, we'll see what he can do going forward. But, uh, you know, great story, uh, there as far as Bane and, and getting his citizenship. And it, it definitely is interesting that, you know, he was playing for the white caps, but driving back and forth 45 minutes to go live on a peninsula that was technically part of the U S in order to, to accrue the time he needed to become a U.S. citizen. So listen, folks, he he wanted he really wanted to be a citizen, American citizen. He put in the work, and you know what? Maybe one day we'll see him wearing that U.S. national team uniform, and maybe his dream will come true of playing in a World Cup one day. Uh, he definitely has the talent. As we head toward the final segment of the show, we're going to get into MLS Week 8. Uh, we're going to preview the matches of Week 8. Obviously, the first match, TFC defeated the Chicago Fire on Friday, 3-1. to one. Impressive showing by Toronto. Uh, Saturday's action kicks off in Philly with the Union, the last team in the league that hasn't won a match, will try to win their first match against the Montreal Impact. Uh, and you know what? The, if, if you're if you're the Union and you want an opponent that you can you can think you can beat, uh, not to say that Montreal is the worst team in the league, but they're they're a team that that, that has started off. Uh, they've had a disappointing start to the year, and obviously Ignacio Piatti being injured for a while didn't help matters. But I think they're a bit of a vulnerable team. And I saw something from the Union in the first half of last week's loss to NYCFC. I really saw a purpose and a, and a real determination to try to make to try to break this 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 skid this winless skid that's going all the way back to August right you can totally understand why union fans are so upset right now because you know they feel like things are just slipping completely out of control um definitely from a fan standpoint there are questions being raised about Jim Curtin uh me personally I think they've been a bit of a victim of the schedule uh not that there haven't been opportunities for them to get wins I mean I think clearly uh, the the game against DC United uh, that was there for the taking that was a game they could have won they could have beaten Toronto FC in Philly uh, but you know what I, I think this is a game if you're the Union you need to have this game and I think they're going to win I think they're going to beat the Impact uh, I see them kind of breaking through there uh, because I tell you what if they don't win this match then things could really get ugly because the schedule doesn't really doesn't get much easier in the coming weeks but I do think the Union break through and get that W. Next up, you have the Houston Dynamo taking on the San Jose Earthquake. San Jose played at midweek. They played a 0-0 draw against New England. And now the Earthquakes have to travel all the way to, to Houston in in the in what's always a bit of an, a weird meeting, right? Because the San Jose Earthquakes, uh, the, the Houston Dynamo were originally the Earthquakes when they moved the team to Houston and became the Dynamo. And then the, and then the Earthquakes were reborn. So you have some roots there. Although now at this point, things have kind of... There's there's not as much of that. There aren't really many players still around. I think Ricardo Clark might be it of of players who are still around uh, from the transition from San Jose to Houston. So it, uh, it is interesting though. Don, obviously, Dom Kinnear, 
a uh, longtime Houston Dynamo coach is now the San Jose Earthquakes coach. So there's always those kind of sub subplots and storylines. But right now you have a Houston Dynamo team that is a bit of an enigma because they play, it, it, they might be the best team in the league in the first half, and they might be the worst team in the league in the second half. And it's just that 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 split uh, that Wilma Cabrera needs to figure out. Uh, you know, last week, perfect example, they're beating Minnesota United 2-0. They end up settling for a 2-2. And uh, you know they they they're a team that is good enough to to have the best record in the league, and they play some of the best attacking soccer in the league, but they can't do it for ninety minutes. And I think this is a match where I think they can do it. Uh, the earthquakes are definitely going to have some fatigue factor. There's going to be a fatigue factor when you're San Jose and you've had to go all the way to New England to play in a midweek game, and and have to play that you know a, a really knockdown drag out zero zero draw on the turf in New England. And now you have to fly to Texas and take on a rested Houston team. The Dynamo did not have a midweek game. So I, I think I like the Dynamo's chances there. I think Kubo Torres is going to is gonna break through and, and add to his MLS uh, score, goal-scoring lead and, and maybe uh, boost his stock uh, with the Mexican national team. Uh, Juan Carlos Osorio was in New York this, pa- this past week uh, and was asked about uh, Eric Torres, and he... He said, look, Torres is on the radar. He's on the, the Mexican national team's radar. But there are some really stiff competition at forward. It's not going to be easy. But they're keeping tabs on him. And that should be enough to motivate Torres to keep this going. And he's really played well. So I like the Dynamo's chances to to, to beat a what was probably going to be a tired San Jose team. Uh, next, you have the New York Red Bulls, Columbus Crew, uh, and our guest, uh, Kikura Mane, will see if he, if he plays a part in this. The Red Bulls are tough at home, and I know they, they had been struggling. They had a four-match winless streak. Uh, they were able to snap that last week against DC United. Uh, they have now transitioned away from the four, the essentially a 4-4-2, a 4 which they were trying to uh, transition to in this offseason, uh, and they've pretty much scrapped it again. And it's like, it's there is some deja vu here because last year it was a similar situation where, where Jesse Marsh tried to implement uh, the two forward system. And then you had an injury to Gonzalo Verón. And now this year we had it, the same exact thing happen again. Gonzalo Verón gets injured. Uh, the team still tries to play in the, in this four, two, 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 and it didn't really quite work. And now they've, Switch back to the regular to their four two three one their four five one, and the team looks so much more comfortable now. To be fair, they were playing DC United, who is not one of the best teams in the league, um, and but still they look more comfortable. Sasha Kleshton looks more comfortable. Bradley Wright Phillips looks better there. Uh, Alex Muil look, looked outstanding last week against DC United, uh, so they just look better in that system. But I tell you what, them against the crew, this is an interesting matchup just when you think about the battle in the midfield. Um, the crew are a team who can definitely, uh, they're one of the few teams who you think can match up with the Red Bulls in terms of possession and trying to control the game. Obviously, the, the Red Bulls like to press. Uh, the crew, like you know, they like to think they can handle that. Uh, this is going to be a tough one, but I'm going to go Red Bulls in this one. Red, they're just too tough at home. Uh, the Kleshton will trap battle is going to be fun to watch. And uh, but I think Bradley Wright Phillips makes a difference in this one. Red Bulls, I think they're going to win. Next, you have Portland Vancouver in a, another Cascadia Derby match, another Cascadia rivalry match. 
Whitecaps coming off that big win against Seattle last week. They're, they're going to be feeling pretty confident. But going to Portland is a whole different proposition. Uh, the Timbers are coming off uh, a loss, a home loss, shutout loss to Sporting Kansas City. I'm sure Caleb Porter, uh, you know, went uh, wasn't happy to see that. Wasn't happy to see his vaunted attack shut down. But KC credits Sporting Kansas City. They have the best defense in the league. Uh, but I, the Vancouver definitely is not that strong defensively. Not as strong as Sporting Kansas City. I think the Timbers roll in this one. I think they're going to open it up. And I think Vancouver's going to have a hard time at Providence Park. So, yeah, I'm going to go Timbers in that one. Uh, next, New England, D.C. New England with their second match in four days. But they're both at home, so they don't have the travel issues. They take on D.C. United. This one this one could be a little ugly. And I want to see what this Revs attack is about. Because, you know, coming into the year, most people look at New England and say, look, they're a team that's going to have an attack, a good attack, suspect defense. They're going to score goals, but will they let up goals? And it's been the exact opposite of that, really. I mean, the attack has been inconsistent, and the defense has really come together well. So I want to see what this attack's about. I want to see, can Kai, can they get Kai Kamara going? Can they get Kai Kamara service? Can Lee Wynn be, be that playmaker where he just pulls all the strings and really... We haven't seen Lee Wynn at his best in a bit. And and I think we need to see that. If you're, if you're, if you're in the New England Revolution, you need Lee Wynn uh, really kind of doing it all in terms of, you know, setting people up, sc- scoring his own goals. Uh, I think he's really important in that regard. Uh, but then Kai Kamara as well, getting him service is key because, you know, you, you ask, you have to look at that team and you ask yourself, is, is he a good fit on that team? Um, and I think this is going to be an important game to see, you know, what he can do, if he can really get it going. We know Kamara has the talent, but you know what? This see, this see, things have been a little up and down this season, so we'll see how that goes. Next, we have the game of the week. Uh, without a doubt, for me, the game of the week, FC Dallas, Sporting Kansas City, uh, two of the top, two, the two last remaining undefeated teams. And KC's riding high. Obviously, they win 1-0 in Portland last week. Uh, they're going up against that same FC Dallas team that they 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 were held to a 0-0 draw against in Kansas City at the start of the season. And obviously, you kind of throw that result out the window because FC Dallas played a, uh, a team of mostly reserves because they were playing in Champions League a few days later. So you kind of throw that one out the window. However, FC Dallas, with their attack, their full-strength attack, is a handful for anyone to deal with, but Kansas City's defense has been so so good. Eichel Power, Matt Beasler, so good. Tim Tim Melia has been the goalkeeper of the of of the of the of the year so far, right? He's been outstanding. So that matchup is going to be just so fun to watch. The battle in the midfield is going to be excellent. Benny Philhaber against Kellen Acosta. I absolutely want to see that because you know Philhaber is looking at Acosta like this kid is in the national team now. He has my spot. I want that spot. I want a place on the national team. I need to outplay this kid to do it. And that's going to be and that, it's just going to be fun. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I think it, you know it's it's going to be a not, there aren't going to be a ton of goals. It's not going to be a goal fest, right? But it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a fun game. Uh, pretty intense game. Dom Dwyer going up against Hedges and Zimmerman. Uh, so many good things. If if you're going to watch an MLS game this week, that's the one you want to watch. Not that there's only one. There's a few really good matchups, but that for me is the cream of the crop in terms of this week's matchups. Uh, in terms of sat- uh, one more Saturday game, we have Real Salt Lake Atlanta in a very interesting matchup. Mike Pecky is 2-0 now since taking over as Real Salt Lake head coach. 
But this is going to be their toughest test for my money. Atlanta, I know Atlanta's coming off a loss, but you kind of toss that one out because they got that red card in the first half of that game. A red card that shouldn't have been given uh, and was ultimately rescinded. So it shows you it was a mistake by the referee. And that really changed the game. Uh, an 11-man Atlanta, I don't think, loses to Montreal. I think they beat Montreal. We saw before the red card, Atlanta was the better team in that game. And I feel like Atlanta's been the better team in most of their games. Just with the way they play, the way they pass, the, they're just a really dynamic squad. And now they go up against the Real Salt Lake team that's obviously gained confidence in Pec- since Becky took over. They've won two games in a row now, but this is a tougher test for them. And I, it's it, this is... You know what? I'm going to have to go with Atlanta in this one. Uh, as much as our, it's tough to win in the altitude in Utah. There is some, it's not as much as Colorado, but there's altitude in Utah at Rio Tinto. Uh, and, and Real Salt Lake has tightened things up defensively. They've gotten healthier defensively. And their attack has gained some confidence. But I'm going to still have to go Atlanta. I just, I've been so impressed with Atlanta. Until somebody beats them straight up 11 on 11, no red cards. Uh, I, I'm going to be picking them in most games because they're just that good a team right now uh, and they're just playing that well. Now, Sunday, there's some pretty good games on Sunday as well. Uh, obviously, the you know people got to be torn between watching MLS and watching the Classico, but the early Sunday match, NYCFC taking on Orlando City, Jason Christ returns to Yankee Stadium. And this, for me, in my, in my goal... My goal.com preview of week eight, I thought this was, you know, this is a big week for Jason Christ because, you know, as much as, you know, he isn't spending a lot of time thinking about his former club, I still have to think it means something to him to be returning to Yankee Stadium for the first time since he got fired. And he brings with him a team that's played really well, a team that, for my money, has exceeded expectations. I mean, think back to that season opener. Kaká gets injured. 10 minutes into the game and you're thinking this is a nightmare they're they're doomed they haven't they're they were already missing kevin molino who they hadn't hadn't really accounted for like they hadn't really added the attacking quality that they lost when they traded him and then they lost and then they lose kaka right so you at that point you're thinking man this is gonna be a long year for jason christ but guess what orlando's been great and they, at home especially they're perfect 4-0 at home uh, Kyle Aaron is doing his thing once again, um, and they've adapted. Will Johnson's played great. He's obviously been a big addition for them. Jonathan Spector, I mean, when you want to talk about Newcomer of the Year candidates right now, he's up there. Him and uh, him and Romain Alessandrini are among the, the, the top Newcomer of the Year candidates, but the, it's just a different mentality there. So now Orlando defensively, they've gone from worst defense in the league to one of the better defenses in the league. And a lot of credit, Christ deserves a lot of credit for that. And their front office deserves a lot of credit for, for some of the signings. Obviously, John Spector, uh, Will Johnson, Donnie Toya, uh, you know, Christ is Christ and, and their front office deserves a lot of credit for that. So having said all that, it's, it's not easy going to Yankee Stadium and beat NYCFC. NYCFC is tough on that small field with the dynamic attacking weapons that they have. Uh, I do find it interesting that Vier- Patrick Vieira is probably or possibly going to go with a three-man defense and play a 3-4-3. Uh, for those of you who missed it, uh, Ronald Materita suffered an ankle injury that's going to probably keep him out uh, something like six to eight weeks. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe it's four to six weeks, but he's going to be out for a while, right? And it's getting pretty close to potentially costing him World Cup qualifiers in June for, for Costa Rica. Um 
but I, you know, that that's not necessarily going to hurt New York City for this particular game, if especially if they're going to play in that three four three. Um, I'm going to go New York City in this one. They're just so tough at home, and Rodney Wallace at home since he's joined NYC, he loves Yankee Stadium. He's looked really, really dangerous at Yankee Stadium, and I think he's going to be a big key to to breaking down that Orlando City lineup. And uh, as tough as that defense is for Orlando City, I I just don't think they've had to deal with the kind of um, attack plus tiny field situation that they're going to face on Sunday. So I'm going to go NYCFC, David Villa, Rodney Wallace make the difference in what should be a good game. Uh, the other the other matchup on Sunday, you have LA Galaxy and Seattle, the old Western Conference rivals, square off again. And as I noted in my Goal.com preview, uh, you're talking about two teams that right now are in the bottom half of the standings. How often have you had the Galaxy and Sounders sitting in the bottom half of the of the Western Conference standings? Not often, but that's where they are right now. They both gotten off to so, to slow starts, and you know for a variety of reasons, whether it's injuries, just bad form, disappointing form from new players, uh, whatever the excuses or whatever the reasons, neither of them can be too happy with the with the the points that they've accumulated with the way they've played. But this is a this is a big game. This is always a big matchup, um, and it's a bit of a tough one to call. LA's tough at home. Obviously, on that big, big field, you have Jossie's artist and Gio DeSantos back. You have Alessandrini, who's been unbelievable for them, who's really carried the attack for them. Um, but I still like Seattle. I, there's something with the Sounders. I think they're going to find a way to get a result in L.A. Um, I'm just not convinced on the Galaxy. I'm not convinced on the Galaxy. I think Nicholas Ladero has himself a game, and Seattle, uh, it's, not, it's not, I don't even want to call it upset. They're the MLS Cup champions, after all. But I'm going to go Seattle with the road win in L.A. In, again, what should be an entertaining matchup. Uh, and I think that that's pretty much all, all the topics. We have a few topics to get into. Uh, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada uh, World Cup bid for 2026. Obviously, if, if this show was a week ago, we would have been leading with this. But by now, I feel like you've probably heard all you want to hear about the topic. But it's obviously great news. It's more than likely going to happen. It's more than likely going to get the votes necessary. And we're going to have a World Cup in the U.S. in 2026. And I know there were people in Mexico and in Canada who were not happy with the breakdown and the fact that, you know, Mexico is only getting 10 games. Canada's only 10, getting 10 games. USA is getting 60. Um, but you know what? The U.S. is, it, you, when it comes down to it, the U.S. was going to be the winning bid if it had to go on its own. And... You know, if you're Mexico, you just have to accept the reality that it's either you can get 10 games or you can get no games. And Mexico was not going to win this bid. It wasn't going to happen. The World Cup is huge now. When you think about 48 teams, like that kind of tournament is just, just, it, it just, you can't match up with the infrastructure that the U.S. has compared to Mexico and to, to be able to handle a 48-team tournament. So, if anything, I was actually surprised that the U.S. was willing to go in to a partnership with these other two countries. But, I mean, I can understand where, you know, Sunil Galati had to kind of make that make that decision of, okay, we're going to give up 20 games, but we pretty much guarantee ourselves to get the tournament. And it, and and they got a pretty sweet deal out of it. If in case you in case you haven't seen the details, the the if the U.S. if the joint bid wins the bid, 
then you're looking at quarterfinals, semifinals, and final, all in the U.S. And obviously, opening ceremony and opening match. I mean, that's a whole that that you know. I, I feel like that's still up for debate, but chances are that's also going to be in the U.S. So, you know what? I, I don't. I don't think any American fan should have any problem with. With, with that, and I'm sure there aren't many that are unhappy, but definitely people in Canada are unhappy, people in Mexico are unhappy. But listen, folks, it's better to get 10 games than none than no games. And if your team ends up having home games in the group stage, I mean, come on, what more can you ask for than uh, not only having World Cup games on your own soil, but having your team uh you know have the benefit of home home field advantage like come like it's i i, I for me i think it's a no-brainer i get why mex like mexicans are upset because it's like this it comes down to the pride thing and it's like well we're we're a bigger soccer country than the u.s but it's not it's not always about that it's also about just logistics and business and you know what i think this is the best for all involved this this arrangement u.s mexico canada everyone gets a piece the u.s's piece is just a little bit bigger just how it is uh, and you know, I think that's it. I think we've covered all the topics. Uh, again, apologies that the show did not drop until Saturday morning. I am working on that. I will work on that. The goal, the goal will be, and I know I've said it before. I've said it before, and I know it's I'm, it's probably you're probably just tuning me out at this point. But I, the goal is ultimately to have shows on Mondays and Fridays, and dropping on Monday and Friday, and and hopefully we can get that into that routine. Um, one show a week is okay, but I feel like we need to have two shows. I think two shows would be the sweet spot if we can get that going. I don't think we'll get guests on both episodes. As I've said before, I think if we can do two shows a week and have one episode with no guests and one episode with, with a, a player or a coach as a guest, at least one, uh, I think that'd be a good uh, if we can get that going. So uh, stay tuned for that. Hopefully we can get that rolling. But, yes, folks, that's it. I think we've covered it all. You have so much soccer to watch. There will be plenty for us to talk about next week. So definitely stay tuned. And once again, as always, if you haven't given given us a review, if you haven't given the show a review on iTunes, please do so. Uh, if you want to leave comments and suggestions in the comment section of the SB, uh, of SBISoccer.com where we post the show, uh, feel free to do that as well. Let me know. And, and you know, if there's a guest you'd like to have on the show or you'd like to have me interview on the show, let me know. I'm open to suggestions as well. So I'm definitely uh, looking for that, looking for some feedback. Uh, and I think for next in the upcoming shows, I'm, I'm going to bring back the ask the SBI show hashtag. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, if you're not following on Twitter already, uh, you can follow me at, so- at soccer on Twitter uh, and uh, look out for tweets from me where I start asking for questions because I do want to start asking some questions, uh, answering some questions, getting getting a little bit of a Q&A segment, especially as we transition over to two shows a week. So that's all for now. I think I've covered everything and uh, definitely want to once again thank Akuda Mane for joining us on the show. Great story from him. Uh, and he's definitely a player to watch going forward. Uh, but that's it. That's all for now. I'm Ivis Galarsa. This is the SBI Show.